Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Stand where you are, fold your hands, close your eyes. Here we go, here we go. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who has called the Gentiles to enter the fellowship of your Son and wills that all human beings be saved, grant we beg you that the voice of your word goes to every land, that the gospel is proclaimed to every creature, and that every nation come to thank and serve you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, welcome back. It's nice to see you. It seems like it's been a thousand years, but there's so much going on. Thanks for being patient with us. Apparently, in honor of Epiphany, we've changed the lighting in here, so feel free to sun. Uh, it's, it's done, the guy, actually, there's been some people working hard through the whole place and fixing a lot of things, and um, they're very clever, so we're grateful for it. It makes the, it's, it's very nice. Don't pay attention to where the wallpaper is coming down, please. Okay, so um, we're going to give money away to Spain slash Arthur Just slash the Dominican slash Spanish speaking mission type stuff. Is that right? All right, so throw some money in the basket if you want, and it'll go to Spanish things. Women's retreat is already coming up the 2nd of February. Don't wait till the last minute because you don't want to surprise your husband with the notion that he's watching the kids. So it is the 2nd. My advice to you is to stay overnight and avoid everything at home for 24 straight hours. Dinner and breakfast are in. Uh, there's about 60 people signed up, so we're about, you know, about normal. I think you were 80 or 90 last year. So it's a woman from Concordia University. I don't know. It's E-E-L, but I don't know if it's Eels or L's. I didn't. Pastor Buse the one who spoke with her. So it's about Christian life and vocation, and um, surprise her with how much you know. It'll be fabulous, just like it always is. But please, please sign up, okay? Questions about any of that? Then uh, I, didn't, I didn't have, frankly, enough time, and I couldn't find you a crisp enough statistic, that I, although I will, take your, I will take your input into what you want to know about St. John. Uh, we're still, I still need to, there's a couple things I need some people to interpret and say, when you look at this, is this what you see? But I, I do want to say a couple of things, uh, what I've learned over the past month or so. One is that it's also clear in my head. It is all so clear in my head, but when it comes out, sometimes there's a kink in the hose of communication. So, for example, I stay up late at night. You know, I don't watch Game of Thrones because why? I have to write you these letters. And then there's some people are saying, letter? What letter? Well, letter in the envelopes. What envelopes? We're electronic givers. No, no, you don't understand. I love you, and because I love you, I now send you a monthly mailing. It, of course, has envelopes in there. But it also has little love letters from me to you. So please, please, um, you know, pick them up and read that stuff. Second is, we had, we had the first home meeting. We have the first bunch of home meetings, which have been fabulous. They are, I think, a lot of work for a lot of parties. You have to find babysitters, and hosts have been so gracious and the people who've come have been so wonderful. And they've, you know, I don't know, frighten you, but we thought we would be there, you know, an hour. Pastor Bukes has the record now, three hours and ten minutes. So, <laughs> uh, but what we found is, is that, that, you know, just the time for you to be together and ask all the questions of each other and of the pastors. I've really welcomed it, and I found it to be wonderful. Now, I've said this to a couple of people who have then replied to me. Now we'll go back to that kink in the hose. What home meeting? And then I'm like... <laughs> But, of course, uh, that's not, I sort of asked around, and what's happened is, is that some people, I think the last, very last one is February 11th or maybe February 7th or something like that. Those people haven't sent their invitations out yet. So here's the thing. 
each of you will be invited to come to a group of 12 or 15 people in somebody's home at St. John. At each of those, there are 24 of them. At each of those, a pastor will be there to kind of sort of talk about where we're going and, and what we're doing, but then also to take questions. Both of mine have devolved into questions really kind of about everything, including me and my lovely wife. So, um, you know, that's fine. You can, I mean, everything is on the table. We can talk about anything you want. It just depends how late you want to stay because, frankly, we have a lot of baggage. Okay, so... The, but, so, but here's what I, here's what I want to say, because I know for some people there's a little bit of nervousness. So it's, people have also sort of broken into tribes, which is so interesting. There are some people who are, you know, if I start to say cap before I can say little campaign, they have written me a check, right? Which is nice. We encourage this kind of behavior, and we'd like, frankly, to see more of it. However... Um, you know, so there are people who have been here as long as I've been here, and they just sort of, this is just like what we do. This is a discipline. It's just like prayer. Here we go. We have to think about this. There's another generation coming. Things are good. Here's, here's what I want to say to you. The single thing that's most important now, this, the, the single thing is that we're doing this because we don't have to. As That's the single most important thing. So you shouldn't find this threatening in any way. You should think of this as... Everybody pulled on the same end of the rope. This, I've, as I've said when I've spoken, I don't know how the other guys have talked about it. Well, actually, this was in that letter that some of you didn't read. But, uh, you know, what I said to you was, you know, what's so interesting is because this is purely about opportunity rather than need, which is so different than most churches. It's another way you're different than most churches, right? This is purely from opportunity. So we can say to ourselves, you know, if we're generous, what can we do? you know, here and elsewhere. It's just, it's a whole shift in how you think. And one of the things I'm convinced about, this probably needs to be done every five or six years, no matter what. Because otherwise, you, you can't understand how weird you are. I mean, I just, I just really honestly, first the ability to talk about this, to be comfortable with it, to host, to talk to each other, to talk to your pastors, that in itself is such a strangeness. Because I've said to you, most churches die of miserliness, not of, not of heresy. Heresy. The devil doesn't have to go all the way to heresy. He's just got a lot of, you know, stingy people in most churches. You don't have to work that hard. Heresy is such a hard deal. You have trials and burnings at the stake, and, you know, it's just, this is terrible. You know, you don't have to work that hard. You just sort of, that's C.S. Lewis from Screwtape this morning in the bulletin where the devil says, things attach you to the world. And, of course, what he's suggesting is you're attached to the wrong world, Right. So it's another one of the joys of being at St. John, where everybody's kind of a grown-up. It's nice to be surrounded by grown-ups. Um, and it's nice to be able to talk about this, and it's nice to shoot things forward. Very quickly, a couple of the most common questions. Okay, so we've c- compared notes. I've done two of these. They've each done one. That's a sample of 50 or 60 people. It's close enough. We can kind of figure out. So just really in... Stewardship, really slow. Okay, here it is. There's your ordinary life of tithing and giving alms. That is the most important thing. Okay, if you don't get anything else, this is what you heard in the catechumen, this is what you've heard all the time. It's your normal life of tithing and giving alms, that you steward well, that you help the church and the poor. I mean, just this non-negotiable any time that the, that the church tries to negotiate it, the church fails. So there's your ordinary life. Now, here's the thing. And I'm actually going to um, kind of beg you here. Please, 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 please. The letter that, I just, that you should get in a couple of days is a letter that I haven't written to you before. 
which really speaks to this notion of 10% and mercy and forgiveness, and frankly, special circumstances and children who need extra help and your parents who have Alzheimer's and suddenly they become your children, and, 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 okay? So I haven't actually kind of pushed that far because I got to write two sides and send it to you. There it kind of all is. And please have a, have a read through that and, and give it a good think because I think it'll once again take pressure off of you. I think because this hasn't been well thought through in the church and the church doesn't know how to talk about it. I'm talking about the big church, right? And so we just substitute bingo night and we hope everything will work out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually trying to get one of those sound effect boards over here where I'd get like <laughs> roaring, roaring lions and machine guns. I'm, I mean, come on, you guys can fix the lights. You can do this, okay? So it would just be fun. Uh, speaking of which, why is there so much space up here? I feel like there must be something wrong. I know, but the board was a, was it just a visual? It just, it feels like I have a beach in Florida up here. I just feel like, I know, but it's, I don't know. Something is different. Anyway, the point of all this is, 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 you know, this is, it'll end up being really, really healthy for you. But first, get your ordinary life in order. It doesn't mean that if you're not given 10%, you can't give to the capital campaign. It means that, you're pushing toward 10%, and wherever your mark is, if it's 2%, 3%, wherever your mark is, when you've settled that score, right, and the discipline is in front of you, only then go on to um, give something extra, even if it's a buck, because we're measuring by participation and not by number, because we're not up against a crisis. We're working with opportunity. So everything is opened up because the whole thing is in the way of the gospel. It is the most fabulous thing to be a part of, right? So try to think this very carefully. Your or- get your ordinary life in order, and at the very least, fill out a pledge card and toss a buck in so that we know that the hose got unkinked. Make sense? Then, it's, of course it makes sense to you, you went to seminary. But for everybody else, I mean, come on. Here's the problem with you, man. You are a perfectly nice guy. In fact, we have, we have, a, 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 we have a standard sample right here, okay? <laughs> then we sent you there, and you became a pointy-headed theologian and big shot on the East Coast, da-dee-da. This guy's going to end up being the Bishop of Boston soon, so try to remember him in your prayers, okay? So, but that's, but that's, I mean, that's we would we'll say we knew him when. Um, it, it's going to be great. If I'm lying, just just call it. But otherwise, you know, that would make you the first lady. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, first, your ordinary life. And do not, you know, the grave sin in this whole process is to, you know, skip that and just go on and give something to the capital campaign. Actually, we're kind of watching it. We're going to back it into the other way if you try this. Don't you try this. All right? First, your ordinary life, and then something extra. And then, you know, we talk about money, so we don't have to talk about money. You won't hear much about this for a couple of years. We'll talk about prayer. We'll talk about fasting. We'll talk about um, living as a good witness. But this is your money year, so pay attention. But please, please, please read the stuff we send you. I always feel oppressive when I send you the same thing by text, by email, by mail, that I talk to you about it. But, you know, the advertising guys in the congregation tell me seven is the magic number. But you actually don't begin to listen to my voice until I've said it to you seven times. Kirby, <laughs> I was going to say Kirby listens to me the first time every time I talk, which is why my marriage is so happy. That's what I was going to say. I was not going to say that in my own house my, my voice is like a dog whistle. I was not going to say that. 
All right, you got it? So read the stuff. Go to a home meeting. They're fabulous. The hosts are great. Um, and, you know, this, you know, by the time we get to Easter, everything will be good. Questions about any of that? So all the, like, um, if we wrapped it like a lump sum check, it's been So here's the thing. Anytime somebody says lump sum check, it's even hard for me to kind of listen to the rest of the sentence. But go, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, there's a separate pot for the capital campaign. Yes, there is. And on Easter evening, if all goes well, you're going to get a text slash email. You're going to get the, like the text you've been getting. It will simply say something like, this amount pledged, this amount received in hand at this point. So this amount pledged, this amount, this many people played along. So hopefully we'll give you a participant number and a couple of money numbers. And that will be then we'll just leave it alone for a while. Well, Stephen said put a little note in there, year one, year two. Oh, my gosh. See, that's the thing about Stephen. He needs to go back to keeping those bees. He's thinking too hard, okay? Just tell him to, to more, more, more. All right, so, yes, we'll try to. Anything else you need to know? Anything else? All right, thanks for that. Spin a Bible open, please, to John, if you got one. John 4, okay? So, we, it's been so long, we, it's hard to almost remember where we've been. But, in some ways... We only ever have one thing that we talk about, which is how you can be a forgiven witness in the world. And uh, don't steal any of my pages, okay? <laughs> um, sorry. John Ford disappeared there for a second. There it is. So, uh, you know, the only thing we ever talk about is how you can be a good witness in the world, how Jesus can have his full use of you, right? This is part of the fun. And so, you know, repeatedly over the past few years, we've talked about how we might engage other people with tolerance and not with anger, how we might be open to people who are different than we are, how when people walk through the door, we're welcoming to them. And you know, this year in John's Gospel, to watch how Jesus himself does that. So we've watched Jesus over the course of the first couple of chapters. What's happened to Jesus? Jesus is introduced to us as the word from eternity who, through whom creation was formed. So this notion of full divinity... And then, verse 14, and he, he took flesh and tabernacled among us, right? So the technical word for the presence of God, the Shekinah of God among us. So in his flesh is all you need. And over the course of the things that we've read, we've seen Jesus become the new Torah, right? The new temple, the new prophet, right? We see Jesus absorbing into his flesh all these uh, institutions, all these markers, or as John likes to say, all these signs that point toward the coming of the Messianic age. And with each new person, Jesus shows another side, if you will, to his pastoral care of us as human beings. What's interesting today in this one is there's none of the falderall that we've seen in the past. And so we've had seminary students. We started with seminary students, right? I'm sitting under a fig tree reading, and Jesus becomes the new thing to read. He's the new word, right? He's the new Torah. He's the new, he's the new revelation of God. We've seen Nicodemus come. So now you have sort of high-level political businessman, and he's a quester. He's got a question mark on the end of everything. And as you know, I encourage question marks. You know, sell, sell, sell periods, buy question marks. It'll make your life so much easier. If the whole world would sell their periods and buy question marks, things would calm down quite a lot. The things we assume about each other, and yet Jesus probes him 
And he draws Nicodemus, not that evening, but another evening when Nicodemus will come and take Jesus' body off the cross and give him a royal burial, right? It gives you the amount of spices because it wants you to understand the commitment that Nicodemus had to Jesus. Then we meet the woman by the well, strange woman, um, broken in her own way, but defending herself against a world that has judged her. And her, Jesus' very first question to her, what, her very first question to Jesus, why would you, a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan? Why would you, a man, talk to me, a woman? And what in the world are you doing here in the middle of the day? Because nobody's in the heat in the middle of the day unless they're up to something, right? And she was up to something, and then clearly Jesus was up to something. Well, we come now to this much more common circumstance of people in pain and people who are broken. And there is a way that your suffering and your pain strip away, you know, all of the illusions you might have about yourself and other people or all the pretense which you might engage in, or even the ways that you might protect yourself. So, for example, this is a royal man in some sense. He's either of royal blood or he serves in a royal household. Either way, he's connected. And yet, he doesn't play that card because there's something more important here. It's the, the, the Greek here is very interesting. He says to him something like, you know, it gets translated often as my son is dying, but um, it's really, it can be translated very gently like my baby is beginning to die. And if you've ever been around um, people who've been dying, you, you know exactly what this man is describing. You can sign, so you can kind of see people going. And it's, you know, a hundred times worse when it's a child. There's nothing worse than losing a child. There's, there's nothing in all of pastoral care. There's nothing harder to care for. So Jesus comes to this guy, and he's just sort of, um, he is what he is. This is what matters, right? So um, just sort of just pick this up, and we should have a go here at, at um, what's going on. So John 4, uh, Jesus returns to Galilee. It's about 43. We should just set it up with these first couple of things. After a couple of days, Jesus departed to Galilee. This is John 4. 43, for Jesus himself testified testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So Jesus, who's trying to be the new everything, has come to be the new prophet. Now you know this from way back. The gospel is always resistible, and Jesus doesn't work by power. So he, as the gospel says, suffers himself to be smitten, afflicted, and crucified. He suffers himself to be rejected. So in this life, Jesus can always be pushed away. And uh, he suffers it in his own country, right? In the place that he was born. He departed to Galilee for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. He's been in Judea. He's been around Jerusalem. He's been where the smart guys are. Jesus is going home. So he's already had a first foray toward Jerusalem. He's already been pushed away. He's cleansed the temple already in John's gospel, so he's announced himself as something, you know, something and somebody, right? And people, rather than listening to that, have pushed back on him. So when he came to Galilee, so you remember that um, Nazareth, right, uh, 
and then in Capernaum, where he, a little farther south, where he comes to live. Uh, he came to Galilee and the Galileans, and this is always nice, they welcomed him. So hometown boy makes good. Although you remember there was, um, doubtless you will say to me, do hear what you've done. And they sought to grab him and toss him off the ledge. And some of you have been to Israel and you remember, you know, my image always of the ledges where they were going to toss Jesus off is where when you stand on the, I was there, this is when I spent the summer in Israel. I stood there once and it was like a movie. This Israeli army helicopter came up from below and like came eye to eye. And you're like, that's weird. And also, you can understand why when they said they'll take him out of town and toss him off. I mean, this was like tossing him off a, off a skyscraper, right? But at least at this point now, the Galileans have still welcomed him. Having seen what he had done in Jerusalem, or all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, where they too had gone to the feast. You remember this three times a year. Good Jews would um, try to try to make their way down to Jerusalem for the great feasts of booths, Passover. Right. So you try to you try to go there, and Jesus had been there too. Now, 46. This is just just sort of observe the pure kind of Christological care Jesus gives to this person. So he came again to Cana in Galilee. Now, that should ring all your bells. We actually did that. We started with, you know, Jesus loves a good feast. And you remember, Jesus says, I'm, I'm, on my, I'm working on my own terms, he says to Mary. And Mary doesn't reject that. You remember the great words of Mary? Remember what Mary said to, G, to, the, to the servants? What did she say? Do whatever he tells you. And then the story continues, and the servants do whatever he tells. Jesus said, fill up the jars. To the, fill up the jars. It goes, it goes like this. Fill up the jars. And they filled them up to the brim, right? Take it to the, to the master. They took it to the master, and they drew it out for him. In each of those things, they not only do everything that Jesus tells them, they do more. It's a startling display. And it is, it, you could make your whole way through life if you just, I mean, that's a, do whatever he tells you. You need to know four words to make it through life as a Christian, right? Do whatever he tells you from the Blessed Virgin Mother, your mother too, right? So he comes to Cana, so we have this background. And that's where he made water wine. And at Capernaum, there was a royal, an official. <clears throat> whose son was ill. Now, Capernaum is not big. Many of you have been there. It's a small place. You know, if it was a 1,000 people, it would be, you know, big. But there's this, who's a, there's a man in charge, and people defer to men in charge. They defer to men in charge because they have soldiers behind them, and if you don't defer, you could find yourself on the, on the, uh, uh, on the wrong end of a spear. Right? So there's a range of reasons here. So there was a royal whose son was ill. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, so when he heard Jesus came home, he went and he begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. I actually want to look in here. I think someplace I put the more literal translation. It won't surprise you that I'm somewhere in here. Um, so I'm about at point four on your. I'm about at point four on your on your um, on your handout, right? We'll come back to do all this stuff about is Jesus a theory or not, okay? But he comes and there's this um, there's this there's this royal, and he begs Jesus. Um, 
hold on, it must be just a little farther in. Um, this is, so it's point six. The, you can literally translate this as, my baby is beginning to die. Right? You sort of just, not, I mean, we can sort of gloss over this because we're used to Jesus being a healer and we're used to him doing remarkable things. But now just imagine you're in Cana and you've, he's, good for a, he's, good for, he's good for a cabernet, right? You think to yourself about you. He loves a party. So we know he can, we know he can do happy work. But, but think about this. And, you know, you, you've all had, if you've had children, you've had sick children and sick children. You know, Kirby and I were just talking about this yesterday, the number of people who just died from the flu. Sidebar, if you get the flu, please go to the doctor, right? Normal, healthy people are dying from this. Well, this, and you can imagine in the ancient world where you don't have recourse to medicine, you're a strong man, but there's nothing about you that's strong right now because, as he says, my baby is beginning to die. And frankly, it doesn't matter if his boy is 12 or 17, right? Because when you're a parent, you talk about it this way. That's my baby, and he's beginning to die. It's a remarkable sort of cut to the chase. This is what I need from you. This is what's important to me right now, okay? So my baby is beginning to die. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. <clears throat> okay, and then, all right, so, so keep going. Um, 48, Jesus said to him, if you're just like everybody else around here, unless you see some signs and wonders, you're not going to believe which, of course, is the world in which we live. Now, um, so many times Jesus can sound a little gruff to you and to me. You know, when he says to his mother, what is this between you and me at the, at the wedding, for example, right? Or he says to the woman, you know, hey, I'm here for the Jews. And then she replies, yeah, but um, how about some crumbs that fall from the master's table? English doesn't always carry this quite as well. In some sense, it's a... Uh, it's a point counterpoint, but you have to. If you're translating the Bible, you gotta you gotta say what the words say. But the sense of this is, is that um, take it this way. This is sort of interesting because most people um, lose interest in me after I get done doing from what I need to do, or I do some signs and wonders like tipping over the tables in the temple. But not everybody kind of swings along with that, or yeah, come on, a wedding is easy. Everybody wants to be happy, and how do you make them happy? More wine, right? So you have the setup here in a bunch of different ways, unless you see signs and wonders. We're going to come back to this in our own world. We'll come back to the signs and wonders under, is Jesus a theory? Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe, right? So Jesus, you know, the man is like, he's just, he's, he's, it's granular. He's right at his boy. The only thing that matters, very short sentence, my baby is beginning to die, four or five words. Jesus pulls back and says, you know, is this kind of about signs and wonders? And then the official, the royal, says to him, let's go before he dies. Come on, let's go. Right? Let's go. You're killing time here. And this is important. Now, you know, I don't know how you would describe this. I would describe this as utter dependence, Certainly is desperation. You could put on it as last best chance if you want. But it's extraordinarily real, right? When you get to these points where people are dying, it sort of, sort of you know, clears the air. 
you know, and, and, and things you can do things that uh, you can't do otherwise. You know, when you're driving to the stop sign, you, you know, you go over the speed limit, you run stop signs, and you drive in the wrong lane, and you tell yourself it's all okay because why? Yeah, somebody's dying. It's exactly what's happened in this text. This is no different than you. So here you go. So the guy says, you know, let's go. Before my child who is dying, beginning to die, dies. And then Jesus, who can cut to the chase better than this guy, says, you should go home. Your son will live. And what's fascinating there is that the word for live, as is so common in the scriptures, is often the word is also the word for resurrection, right? So Jesus says to him, "Your son will live, and also your son will be resurrected." So is it that your son will live and not be resurrected? Is that he'll die and be resurrected? Is that he'll live now and be resurrected later? What's going on there, right? So um, you know you should go. So so the man's in very close. Jesus is back very far. The man is more demanding. Jesus comes in microscopically close and says, it'll all shake out in the resurrection or it'll all shake out in life, right? The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Okay, just pause right there. You live in Wheaton, Illinois, where everything is about what is faith and what is belief and blah, 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 blah. You know what faith is? Faith is when Jesus you know, does this, and you say, thank you very much. And it's partly the sermon today, it's the text today. So often, you know, and I've tried to cure you this over the years, this notion that faith is a, is a data dump. You learn a lot of things. There was a little girl here at church last night. Um, she was probably six, seven, I'm not sure. All her brothers and sisters were communing. They were visiting family, and they introduced themselves. And I said to her, you know, what about you? And she's like, I don't get to go yet. I said, Really? That's, I said, it's so strange because you seem like a Christian. And she smiled at him and I said, is it the body and blood? She goes, yes. I said, does, what does it do? She goes, forgive my sins. And I'm looking at her parents like, yeah. I said, you're not going to, I said, I, I, you know, I said, I would be happy to commune your child and make her a little Christian. Yeah, they probably won't come back. But, um, <laughs> You know, I did, the, I did the best I could under the circumstances. I mean, the poor child. It's, it's almost a form of child abuse not to give your child the Eucharist at that point, right? So, I, you know, I mean, this is Jesus. Jesus is just, you know. So here's what happens. We always get this. You, as a, we, we sort of think that, the, you know, somehow the gospel is, you know, a 24-slide deck, you know, with a lot of fine print that you see over and over again, and we just hope you'll buy at the end. It has much more to do with Jesus touching you. Luther, he rubs your ears with his words, right? Or he says to Lazarus, come out. So the words are sacramental, right? The the, the distinction between word and sacramental is a distinction without a difference. The words are sacramental. He says to Lazarus, come out. Um, He says to the man, your son. Jesus actually acts sometimes through his words, sometimes through his touch. He likes to spit on people, right, and in their ears and on their tongue, Touch, words, feast, presence. Jesus acts on you, and faith simply recognizes it. You can't unsee it. You can't unhear it. You can't undo it. Jesus acts. Faith is simply saying, thank you very much for that, which is what the man does. 
So you shouldn't think that there's this sort of great intellectual crisis, right? Or the apologetics got just right, which then takes a ton of pressure off you. Because the way the church has done apologetics for years is to have you memorize a lot of stuff and knock on doors and say to people, if you, you, know, if you died tonight, are you sure that you would go to heaven? How about if the church was really merciful to people, and like in the early church, they said, you can kill them if you want, but they're just the weirdest people. They, they pick up dead bodies by the side of the road and bury them because they believe in the dignity of human beings. They feed the poor, even poor, not from their own tribe. They take in the sick and nurse them back to health. These people are different. See how they love one another, right? That's how Jesus does evangelism, missions, mercy, if you want to talk about it in that way. Jesus does an act. If you wanted me to, I could pull you all the way back to the capital campaign here, right? Because you've got to have powder to go. You've got to have something to work. I mean, look at downstairs. By the way, you scoff laws. I'm on the hook to the elders for 3000 bucks because we gave away 6000 bucks on Advent 1, and only $3,000 has appeared in the form of slides. So if your kid is smiling up on the screen, go directly to heaven. However, if you took 50 bucks on Advent 1 and you have not sent us a picture, just saying, okay. So, I mean, so this is what happens. You do merciful things to people, and what happens? They're like, thank you so much. Now, I mean, you know, it's pencils for grace or roller skates for a kid under the tree. That's one kind of thank you. But kind of imagine this. My baby's beginning to die. Jesus replies, is this just theoretical? The man replies, you need to get busy, right? Because people who are beginning to die actually end up dying. And Jesus says, done. And the man says, thanks. That's faith, right? So faith is, so this morning in the gospel, right? First John the baptizer, repent for the kingdom of God. There's this great argument about whether repentance is your work or God's work. It's God's work. And then, of course, it's your work. Right? Or Jesus comes and says, um, let's go. Well, they only let's go because Jesus said, let's go. And the words, as Luther, say, do, as Luther often says, the words do what they say. So they, the words sort of scoop those guys out of the boat and pull them along. Right? And that's what happens to this guy. My baby is dying. Jesus is like, Fixed. And that's what happens in your life, of course, too. All the stuff that is kinked up in your own life, Jesus has the resources for that. If I could get you to stop thinking so theoretically about it or in a kind of a neoplatonic way that there's a split between heaven and earth, right? Or even how you think about earth and heaven. You know, we've done this before about how God is in the background all the time. And life isn't like you pray God to make some divine intervention in your life. God is as close to you as his body and blood on your tongue this morning. Right? God is woven in between all of us here. This is his body. And he's busy doing work his, of his own and of his own through each of you. Right? So, you know, when you don't pay attention or you've got something else to do or you miss church or you're miserly or you don't forgive or you got all of that stuff, right? That's why it's anti-Christ. This is the happy other side of that, which Jesus just goes to work on somebody and then people just simply say, Thank you very much. That's faith. Faith is not, uh, you know, memorizing the whole catechism. You know, faith is not for that little girl. I mean, it does make me, you know, kind of sad. I want to call her pastor. 
you know, she's saying, it's the body and blood, and when it touches me, it forgives my sins. This is sufficient for Jesus to commune people. It should be sufficient for us to commune people as well, right? So um, this is just so much fun, right? My baby's dying. Is this theoretical? No, it's pretty practical. He's actually going to die. Hmm, you should go home then because everything's going to be all right, Bob Marley. So um, here we go, right? Just checking. <laughs> checking to see if you're paying attention. huh? You know, he had an Orthodox funeral. And old Bob came around. If you, you, if you, you, your, your extra credit assignment today is to go home and watch Bob Marley's funeral on YouTube. It's full of incense and Ethiopian priests. All right. So maybe Haile Selassie wasn't Jesus. I got a lot of stuff creeping around in my head. Okay, so <laughs> Jesus said to him, hey, your son's going to live. And the man believed him. And going down, his servants met him, and he told him that his son was living. So isn't this weird? Like, this is the flip-flop. So um, first, um, the man has the word and no sign. And the servants have a sign and no word. Right? And they meet, and then they flip-flop. So the servants give the sign to the father, and the father gives the word to the servants. What's the point of all this? The point is, you can't see the, you can't, you, you don't know the signs unless you have the word too. Jesus does a good work and then he explains it, right? Right? So this is my body for you. It forgives your sins. It's a miraculous thing that he does here. He takes his water and he puts a name on you and he says, now you're my child. You need both things. You need the word and the explanation. Otherwise, the servants just think, well, he got better. They didn't just get better. What happens is that Jesus intervened. And this great joy of the community where the servants meet the Father and they compare notes, which is, of course, why you all need to compare notes. Because otherwise, you won't realize when you'll think that it was just rando that... um, you were healed, or that somebody got better, or somebody got spared, or somebody got safe. No, no. But part of what we do at church is to compare notes about what we've been praying for. Um, I mean, it's a remarkable thing when somebody says, you know, I was praying for you about this, and it actually happens, right? So um, they get together, and they compare notes, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. He went on his way, and as he was going down, so he doesn't even get home, his servants meet him, as is the way of all good news. I was walking downstairs to get um, undressed this morning, and it was the cruisy baby appeared in the midst of all other mothers, and there was this tangible... It was just something I think, you know, I think to myself, I don't know that I'll ever experience that. There was, you know, so Karen's here with her new baby, and then there were three or four or five other mothers who, there was this kind of inexpressible, you know, kind of kind of flooding the landscape of joy that I think maybe only a mother can understand. It was just it was such a nice thing to kind of see happen. That's what happens in this text. When we have good news, it just kind of it floods the landscape, right? So they don't wait for them to come home because your baby who is beginning to die isn't beginning to die anymore. In fact, the whole process has been thrown in reverse. Okay, here we go. So um, Jesus speaks this word, and he's going down. The servants met him. So he asked them, tick-tock, you know, what hour this happened, what hour that he began to mend. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And 
the father knew that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So Jesus speaks, it happens, right? Word is connected to event, or sign is connected to things signified, or heaven and earth are bundled together again because the word has become incarnate and he's reclaiming his world bit by bit by bit. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he'd come um, from Judea to Galilee. Last thing. Um, So often in our own world, people won't have Jesus on his own terms. Jesus is very clear about who he is. I, and I gave, I gave you the C.S. Lewis quote, the quite famous quote about, you know, Jesus is a lunatic or, you know, he's either the son of God or a lunatic, which gets quoted in all kinds of things. Here's the point. Jesus is not a theory. You know, Jesus is not a magician. You know, Jesus is not an appearance. Jesus is God in flesh and blood. And when God touches you with your flesh and blood through his flesh and blood, the whole universe changes, right? That's what happens. You can ignore it, you can deny it, you can reject it, you can work against it, you can forget about it, you can say that it doesn't exist. You can say that there's nothing beyond what I can measure. You can say that the world ends where my sight stops, right? This is the project of the Enlightenment the last 300 years, that I'm the measure of all things, and since I don't see God, God, in fact, doesn't exist. And this is just random stuff that happens in the world. Hey, Everybody in this room knows differently. And the reason you know differently is because there was a time when you said your prayers, and at that exact hour, given witness by several people besides yourself, somebody lived, somebody was healed, somebody was better, somebody forgave. Things got better in the way of Jesus, right? So Jesus is not a theory. Um, you know, he's not imagination. He's not, a, he's not like that imaginary friend you had when you were a kid. You know, he's not a projection of our own needs. Jesus is the word of God. And, you know, can I prove it to you? Once again, this week, you know, I got, uh, this happens about every three weeks. I get, a, I, get a, I get an email or a letter from a kid who wants proof. To which now, because Mr. Kovecki has helped me, I always ask for kids to explain. You can tell your husband this. I always say, Okay, explain superposition to me, and then we'll be, we'll start from there. This is what this is quantum physics, where you can um, be in two places at one time, which I don't understand, but her husband does. So uh, it's, it's fabulous because he could. He's, every once in a while, he throws me a bone about something I should understand. I love it. So okay, it's really great. So, but I you know I start to ask kids to explain how one thing can be in two, and they're like, you know, and then I'm like, well, I mean. Do you believe it? Yeah, they believe it because the next generation of computers and microchips are going to be made based on the theory behind this. They all believe it, right? I'm like, so you believe that and you can't explain it, but you can't believe that the body and blood's in the Eucharist because you can't explain that, right? So this whole notion that there's this tension between science and religion and one has to be tossed out or that um, science somehow locks things down and nothing else can be explained, Right? The world doesn't work that way, and if you need to sharpen your focus, get around somebody who's dying, right? And then you'll find out. So it's just interesting to me, all these people that Jesus engages in John's gospel, all kinds of people, they're exactly the people that you're meeting 
as you, as you go out into your normal life this week. They're exactly the same. Pick one. You know, they're pointy-headed intellectuals. There are powerful political people. There are people who've been studying scripture all the time and think they must have the right answer. And there are also people who are just flipping broken. And um, you're going to have, you're going to make the most progress with them the fastest. But your approach to each of them is the same, that you come to them in mercy, you pray for them to push back the darkness, and if you can drag them to the Eucharist, 100%, okay, A+. Plus. And if you get them to a CapCam home meeting, extra credit. Okay, got to go, let's pray. I thought you'd think that was funnier. <laughs> Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, see you soon. Um, make sure to sign up for the women's and men's retreat, especially women's retreat. We probably have to give the hotel number soon. See ya.